You're sudden bad booty this time. <laughs> oh no. How is that more offensive? <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Backstage Gaming, dramatic takes on your favorite games. I'm Chris. And I'm Dylan. And we're back. We have more episodes to... I don't know why I'm saying that. Like, it's a surprise. We do this literally we have, every fucking we week. We have a bag of episodes for you this week. A bag... <laughs> Santa, Santa Dylan has shown up with his big sack full of episodes, and he's <laughs> going to give us one. <laughs> Ready to bestow upon all the good little gamers and gamettes. <laughs> God. Yeah. What are we? What is our show? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> I mean, here we are. Anyway, um, so for, for those of you who are first joining us, we talk about games. We talk about storytelling. We talk about theater because that's what we do every week. Dylan, tell us what we're going to be talking about a little bit this week. I don't know. What the fuck are we talking about? Okay, God, sorry. we talked for 20 minutes about this. <laughs> Today we are talking about a fighting game that I'm really excited for, Samurai Showdown. And then we're going to talk about fighting games. Don't run away, please, I promise. <laughs> we can uh, talk about storytelling in fighting games. Yeah, specifically, I, it's more common than you might think. Um, <laughs> specifically, we're going to be talking about how... Because, like, fighting games are a very specific thing that also spans... Like, there's a ton of different kinds of fighting games out there. So we're going to be talking a little bit about how, like, how the way a fighting game plays can be used as an element of its storytelling. Uh, yeah. And how everything can kind of aesthetically come together. Uh, yeah. Depending on the kind of game that you want it to be. If I sound tired today in this episode, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to, you know, be the consummate professional, pull up my boot straps and tie my shoes. Um, but... <laughs> I you yesterday have steps and shoelaces. I am a fancy lad. Uh, <laughs> I, I had to get up early this morning for a job interview because I'm trying to escape retail hell. And no, I just like the idea of trying to escape. Yeah, leave it foreboding. Uh, and yesterday at my shift at the store I work at. Uh, there was not a break in the line of customers from 4 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. I don't know why. It was fucking Monday night. <laughs> it's because the store knew you were trying to leave. It's yeah. like, uh, <laughs> it's I feel like, like my, Hill. I feel like my bosses know I'm trying to leave. They keep saying things like, oh, Chris, you're so indispensable. We couldn't do without you. <laughs> uh, do you work for Jewish moms? I mean, No. <laughs> I work for black moms. Why is why why is that voice like so universal for like doting and caring? I don't know because it is little... it is very much only a voice that belongs to like Jewish grandmothers from Manhattan. <laughs> but yeah, I need freedom from this mortal prison that is working in retail and I hope I hope and that pray. I'll get it. Who knows? Maybe I'll know whether or not I, I'll probably know whether or not I got it by the the time this uh, mummy's tomb of an episode releases. So, <laughs> so we'll see. So the uh, the impetus for this week's episode of conversation. I keep saying those words in that order, and that's not a thing. But now it is. This week's episode of conversation was Dylan is very excited for a game called Samurai Showdown. 
and it is a old fighting game series for the Neo Geo. It's getting a revival this year, but it was moderately big. Maybe not. Mo- I, I, you know, I was like six when Neo when SNK stopped making games for a while. So, uh, that's probably an exaggeration, but whatever. Uh, basically, it was a series of fighting games. I think they had like reasonable clout, but like it, they just went away for a while because of the company that made them was going through troubles. And basically, it's it's having a grand revival. Uh, King of Fighters 14 sold reasonably well, so now they are putting out Samurai Showdown, and hopefully we will have more uh, SNK revivals. But anyway, today we are going to talk about Samurai Showdown, for starters, and how it kind of creates this very tense... I haven't seen a lot of Samurai movies, weeb though I am. Um, you should change that, but, my like, dude. They're fucking great. Yeah, I mean, I believe it. But, uh... Basically, if you've if you've, if you've ever watched a western in like you know they have like the high noon gun draw that is like, the thing that uh, Kurosawa like stole gleefully from the western like a lot of his films are very American cinema influenced and in particular he like he was a big fan of the storytelling practices of like spaghetti western films. Yeah, funny that I'm like such a fan of Japanese media, but I've seen more westerns than samurai films. Anyway, so, you know, it's that idea of, like, the first, like, if you make a move, you gotta commit to that move, or else the other guy will gun you down. Um, and that, that really is kind of the philosophy, the philosophy of Samurai Showdown. Every swing of the sword you make has, is, like, very punishable, and to the point where, like, a standard hit, like, if it's a heavy sword slash or whatever, that can do, like, 80% of your health if you're not careful. Yeah, this is kind of getting into something we touched on very briefly last week. Like, many fighting games operate in a sort of gameplay model where you you learn about how best to cancel unneeded animation. Like, most fighting games allow you for a point of, like, say, a jab has, like, two frames of startup animation, three frames of it is actively dealing damage animation, and then eight frames of, like, recoiling back to the standard pose. That's a really quick hit. (laughs) Yeah, that would be a very fast hit. I'm making these numbers up. I don't do games. I know. I'm aware. I'm aware. Uh, But if if you were, in most fighting games, you can, like, all right, you let that two frames of startup go. It's got that three frames out there. And then once those three frames are up, you can hit the kick button and interrupt that default eight frames of reset and go straight into the startup frames of that kick. Samurai Showdown, not so much. Uh, Samurai Showdown is very much, when you swing a sword, you are committing to that sword swing. If you are kicking with your leg, you know, you'll kick faster, but it won't deal as much damage. Um, and there, there are all these different things that kind of reinforce this idea of intensity of action. It's not so much like letting as many punches fly. Um, I guess a good game to compare this to, because it's a series that, like, I think most people have heard of, even if not necessarily everyone likes it, is uh, Dragon Ball Fighter, uh, Fighter Z, Fighters, Fighter Z, whatever. Um, Dragon Ball's Fighter, where you know you are flying around all over the place and constantly trading punches and combos and firing energy balls at each other. There's an actual mechanic where if you and your opponent hit like the same button at the same time, you'll do like a a little cutscene flurry of blows before bouncing away from each other. It's rad. Yeah, it it is. The idea of a game like that is you are constantly on the move, um, and if if 
if you get hit, that other person has to have the technique to keep the combo going and keep you down before, like, before, you know, you can resume action. Um, and something like Samurai Showdown is very much more like, you know, you're trying to gauge how far away the enemy is from you. You're trying to let, wait for them to let their defenses down. Or if you make the first attack, you want to be sure that it's something they won't predict. Yeah, it's, um, it's very much like it is trying to achieve in gameplay the same kind of tension that you get in that moment in the samurai movie where, like, the two swordsmen are facing off each other and like you've got that long panning shot of the two of them and then you get the close-up of the one and his hand is on his katana sheath and then he like unlocks it and like pushes the blade forward just a little bit and you know that there's about to be a swing chris 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 why are we using samurai movies when we could be using the greatest samurai movie of all star wars episode five <laughs> empire strikes back <laughs> wait Hang on. I'm, I know I'm you're solely, right. I am solely talking about the lightsaber duel back when lightsabers were kendo. Oh yeah, back when lightsabers gymnastics. were like back when they wanted Jedi to be samurai essentially. Yeah. Uh so for people who don't know, in the old Star Wars movies, the lightsaber choreography is based off of uh kendo, which is a Japanese style of sword fighting. Yeah, kendo and kenjutsu. It's <laughs> And ke- yeah, it's thank, fu- you, thank you. It's fucking dope. <laughs> thank you Resident Fight Choreo. Yeah. For people who remember that movie, or have seen that movie, period, sorry that Star Wars is not the catch-all of American culture that some believe it to be, but it's convenient shorthand. So, um, during the lightsaber fight, you know, you, you kind of have Luke and Darth Vader kind of gauging each other, kind of testing each other's reach. Um, that's that's more episode four with uh, Ben and Vader, but five incorporates the force a bit more. But essentially what I'm trying to get at is that It's kind of this slow-paced, like, testing each other's guards and, like, waiting for one of them to slip up so you know where, when, and how to attack. That is very much the type of game Samurai Showdown strives to be. In the 90s, there was another uh, duo of games made by Square Enix for the PS1 called Samurai... uh, Not Samurai Showdown, I'm sorry. Bushido Blade. It was a 3D fighter with no health bars. Um, Essentially, you would attack someone... And if you hit their limb, that limb is now unusable, or that limb gets a debuff. And it was made in a way so that, like, you know, if your weapon hits, like, their head or their abdomen, that is an instant victory. So, like, very, like, it's just that kind of philosophy, a very intense, very deliberate style of gameplay. Yeah, and I I love it because, again, it, it taps into just what people expect from a samurai fight, like, both in popular culture, because, like, you know, that that whole idea of, like, the two samurai facing off and, like, the long still shot of, like, the cherry blossom leaves fluttering in the wind. Like, yeah, that's what a samurai film means to the minds of just, like, popular culture, because that's what the film's always depicted. Yeah. But it's also cool because that's the case because of that is the result of people looking at traditional... uh ways that samurai would fight like there is a a style of or like a technique in the use of the katana where the way you draw your blade is a cut yeah which means as a filmmaker working with actors using the katana you've got a built-in like one this is historically accurate two it's a fucking quick draw scene (laughs) (laughs) and you've just been given that gift and it's a fantastic way of like the tension and the 
genre and the historical accuracy all like blending together and that's something that samurai showdown making the choice to go for this much more deliberate much more like your moves are openings for your opponent so you have to think carefully that all becomes an element of the storytelling that the game is able to pull off which is really cool um last thing i'll say about samurai showdown before i move on is that another thing that like really sells that uh that series is its music and atmosphere. You know, a lot of fighting games, I think, are known for their very bombastic soundtracks. In, like, recent games, like... In recent fighting games, I hear a lot of butt rock. (laughs) (laughs) Which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Uh, You know, I love me some good butt rock. Good butt rock is an oxymoron, but we're going (laughs) to roll right ahead. I love me some butt rock. But, like, you know, Samurai Showdown is much more ambient. You'll hear, like, Howling Wind... Or, like, maybe the rustle of leaves. And the occasional note from a Japanese instrument. Yeah, there's, like, there's some, like, taiko drums built in there that I've heard. Yeah. Like, it's, they they do a lot to really zero in on this aesthetic they're going for of the samurai fight. The samurai yeah. showdown, one might say. Oh. Oh. Okay. Uh. <laughs> and credits roll. <laughs> uh, moving on, we're going to, uh, I, I guess I want to talk about uh, Street Fighter briefly, because that kind of, that series went in two directions uh, from Street Fighter 2. So, um, Street Fighter 2, for all intents and purposes, is like the original fighting game. Uh, there, there are other games where, you know, it is one-on-one combat, but I think Street Fighter 2 is really the first one to, like, take that formula and yeah. turn it into a success. Having played Street Fighter 1, it sure as hell wasn't Street Fighter 1. Oh, hell no. <laughs> so, Street Fighter 2 is kind of where it was good. And not only good, it was great. And that is, you know, most 8 out of 10 fighting games will have based at least the basics of their style on Street Fighter 2 in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. And we so, should say 2D fighting games. Yeah, There's, I guess I guess that's what I meant. Well, yeah. even like some 3D fighting games to an extent. Definitely not Tekken or Dead or Alive, but like, you know, I've played like a, some 3D King of Fighters games. Street Fighter 2, you know, you have uh, special moves, you have your uh, standard attacks, like punches and kicks of varying strengths. And the harder an attack hits, the slower it is, but the further it reaches, you know, stuff like that. If you, if you jump... You're vulnerable while in the air. You can't guard. Um, so that's another thing. So it's very much like, you know, it's not exactly as tense or as... Uh, it, it's not trying to build that atmosphere of tension like Samurai Showdown does. Street Fighter 2 is very much like... It's, it, it is the median. You can, you can go all out. You can hold back. But the, there's a greater emphasis on pace. On a faster pace, rather. Street Fighter 2 kind of spawned two series i mean like obviously it spawned the rest of the street fighter series but it also kind of serves as like the groundwork for the uh marvel versus capcom series so from street fighter 2 we go to the street fighter alpha series which is a midquel between street fighter 1 and 2 and it it stars the characters as they are younger and it has more of a colorful comic book presentation to it so unlike street fighter 2 where you know, you have, like, maybe one or two basic combos per character, and there's no air guarding. Street Fighter Alpha, you can air guard. Um, there are a lot more attacks in the air. 
there's a greater emphasis on like projectiles and reflecting projectiles. Uh, there are mechanics built into the game for like really quick and fast combos, uh, dashing, all of these things that make the game feel more faster and a little bit more comic super heroic. Yeah, super heroic, some might say. Um, which leads us into the Marvel vs. Capcom series, which kind of keeps the aesthetic of the Street Fighter Alpha games, but throws in, you know, the X-Men and dozens of other characters from other Marvel series, um, depending on which game you're talking about. And so this is kind of where, like, Street Fighter gets, like, really crazy, where, like, you know, you have Wolverine and he's, like, running across the screen, like, slashing wildly. <laughs> you have Cyclops who, like will use a laser, but, like, the laser is, like, attacking the entire screen. It's it's kind of gone from, like, these are dudes fighting and maybe occasionally throwing a fireball or two to, you know, these are the X-Men. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, they're throwing, like, huge Goku-sized Kamehameha waves. And, you know, oh, there's a fucking, there's fucking Magneto. He's, uh, <laughs> he's fighting a karate guy. Uh, <laughs> karate guy is dead. Karate guy is dead. Uh, so there's there's this transformation. They they took the formula that Street Fighter Two started with, and they they molded it into something that is a lot bigger in presentation. There's a huge there's a bigger emphasis on keeping combos going while in the air. There's this idea of like while you're fighting, you can tag in a teammate to come in and do an attack real quick. And so, which is now just like everywhere in fighting games. That is very standard in many fighting games. And so it, it creates this thing where it's it's no longer like, you know, just martial arts or like, you know, samurai warriors fighting. I guess what I'm trying to say is like fighting games can do a variety of things based on like how they are presented. And what Marvel vs. Capcom is, is, you know, its own wild. I'd compare it to like, you know, the Avengers movies nowadays where like, is <sighs> Chris, you've seen them more than I have. Can Just think of like something where like something really cool that happens in one of those movies. Oh, like so a tag team or something. Yeah, I mean, like the. At this point, I feel like Civil War has been out for long enough that like, Statue of Limitations on spoil. Like, I'm not gonna spoil anything about the movie, but like, Statue of Limitations. We're not talking about it. Is kind of done, but the uh, the best thing about Captain America: Civil War, in my in my opinion, is the big fight that happens at the airport. It's like the big set piece, and it is like, to me, especially to me as someone who does fight choreography a little bit, it's the coolest because it just they let each of the characters do their own thing to such a cool degree where like Captain America and Spider-Man will be having a punch out and then like oh they they like in the middle of that have to dive out of the way of like Ant-Man who's grown to giant size and is stomping through while he's being like Hoth speeder tied up uh <laughs> by War Machine and like honestly I, this actually ties into what I was about to jump in and say like the fact that you in the Marvel vs. Capcom games, they introduce this idea of, like, you know, you're Wolverine and you're fighting Ken and you're, like, attacking, 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 doing all your cuts. And then mid-combo, fucking, like, Rouge can jump out and, like, blast him with an attack and then disappear. Uh, don't Is you mean Rogue? Rouge the Bat <laughs> fly out <laughs> and blast him with an attack and then fly away. Like, that's such a comic book crossover moment yeah. that they have created in the gameplay that I absolutely love. And that's, like, as best as anything, kind of is a perfect microcosm of what exactly we're talking about here. Thank you. I was really floundering there for a second, but you basically took everything I was trying to say and made it work. <laughs> Woo! Did it. Did it. 
But yeah, like that that kind of thing, and that that's one of the things that makes fighting games so cool is like using the same basic conceit and then dressing it up with different mechanics and different like stylistic choices. You're able to deliver on so many different like kinds of fights because fights are storytelling, and I could do a whole fucking rant about that. But instead of that, let's sit down in our seats here in the back of the theater and crack open our playbill. Talk a little bit about what you guys should be uh, looking out for me and Dylan is. I should really find some kind of transition music to get us in and out of this section, but we'll see if Chris does that in the editing room. (laughs) Dylan, tell me... I... I feel like I remember something, but I I don't really remember it. Uh, do you remember Macross? Dude, I remember Macross. And you know what, audience members, even if you don't remember Macross, you can remember Macross with us. Me and uh, our mutual friend, Coop, have started a podcast called Dude, You Remember Macross, where we talk about the 1983, 82 or 83 classic uh, Super Dimensional Fortress Macross. In this, we kind of reminisce about the show. We we talk about character motivations. Um, kind of, you know, I do my acting thing while analyzing. I don't do my acting thing. I do my character analysis thing. Uh, <laughs> come along, I... come along. While Dylan analyzes this 1980s anime in the character of King Lear. <laughs> <laughs> I'd listen. To, I'd subscribe the fuck out of that podcast. So. We, we, we talk about this show, and, you know, it's it's a really chill time. If you have any enthusiasm for mecha anime or 80s anime or any combination of the two. I do! Um, hell, if you like idols. Macross talks about idol culture. Maybe not in the way it should, but it, it <laughs> you can talk about that. You should message us and talk to us about talking about the idol culture as presented by Super Dimensional Fortress Macross. <laughs> and you should do that by checking out our Dude You Remember Macross podcast that we currently have on, I think we have it on Apple FM now. Yeah, I know it's on Spotify. It, it is definitely on it Anchor. It's on Anchor FM and Spotify. And I believe it's on Apple FM as well, but I will have to double check that. You should also go show some love to our friends over at the at the Unexplored Places podcast. Uh, they are an actual play podcast. Dylan was on the previous arc as a uh, a temporary character when they did sort of a fun time travely arc, if I'm remembering yep. correctly. Uh, not not time, time travely, but like, like time skippy. And time Dylan and skip, yeah, yeah. And Dylan and I are both going to be doing some stuff with them moving forward for some of their Patreon exclusive content, some of their in-between seasons content that they've got coming up. I'm at where I, I don't know if you're involved with this one, Dylan, but I'm actually recording with them uh, tomorrow night for a one-off in which we're going to be playing. Uh, it was voted on by people on Twitter. We're playing, a, we're playing, huh? a, we're playing a one-page RPG called Bad Boys that is about a near-future heist of the unreleased Carly Rae Jepsen singles. <laughs> And I'm so excited. Oh, no, I think I'm missing out on that one, unfortunately. But that sounds amazing. It's going to be incredible. I'm so excited. Um, But yeah, check them out on Twitter or on wherever you get your podcasts. Unexplored Places, they're super fun. Uh, We're getting very near to the end of this first season of a podcast that I was involved in recording called... uh, called, um, Unwell. Unwell, thank you. A Midwestern Gothic Mystery. 
I am in the final episode in the coda of the season. It was a super fun little scene to record, and the rest of the podcast has been rad. They just passed like 10,000 downloads, which is nutty and I dream of. Um, But yeah, go show them some love at Unwell Podcast on Twitter. They're really fun and really spooky, and the audio editing is just like phenomenal and blows the crap I do on this show out of the water. We are also, uh, Chris and I are both featured in King Me, a podcast by our friend Tom. Um, he, we, together, we, together we talk about a, how, how do you describe creep show to Chris? Bad. <laughs> it's, it's pretty bad. It's a, it's a very bad an, uh, movie anthology of one Stephen King short story and two... Not Stephen King short stories. <laughs> it's a very surreal film. Um, not yeah, we... one I recommend but like hey it's on youtube for free and you can watch it and then listen to us rip it apart yeah so uh be on the lookout for that 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 episode of king me should be dropping at the end of april or beginning of may and if you want to hear us get like real mad at like a kind of racist old horror movie (laughs) i promise it's actually really fun and we have now launched a patreon for backstage gaming to help us just like you know keep this thing going so we're not losing money on web hosting fees or anything anymore and to hopefully fund improving the podcast and starting other podcast projects uh this week we get to say thank you to one of our starting up patrons who pledged at the ten dollar amount which uh was awesome our friend coop the same coop that Dylan uh, is in this thanks, podcast coop. in uh so thank you coop here is your one-time shout out thank you so much for the support and if you want to get in on the love you can help us out. We launched uh, as of recording yesterday and are already halfway to our first goal, at which point we will no longer be losing money on this thing. So if you like what we're doing, please consider helping us out with that. It would mean the world to us. Thank you. There was our plug zone. Mm. <laughs> let, let me tell you about my plug zone. God, what is... I thought, you know, I thought the, the morning podcasts <laughs> were... <laughs> Turns out three in the afternoon is peak horny time for us two. <laughs> Uh, how right you are. So, now that we've gotten all of that housekeeping out of the way, uh, Dylan, you said that there was a, there were a couple other fighting game series you wanted to touch on as far as this topic goes. Uh, Dylan has played many more fighting games than I have, so he's sort of got the reins on this one, folks. Yeah, um, and because I'm the one who is talking, I have no self-control, so I will keep rambling until Chris tells me to stop. Woo! <laughs> Anyway, yeah, I, I guess like there's there's really like one big one, but oh, actually, now that I think about it, uh, so let's talk about Blaze Blue, Chris. Oh, I I was hoping you would. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Blaze Blue is a fighting game. Blaze Blue is an acid trip. <laughs> it is referred to as an anime fighter, and what that means is it it kind of takes like the crazy like hyper-fighting comic book action that uh, you would get from a game like Marvel vs. Capcom. And, you know, it takes away the tag teams, but, like, it kind of keeps the... uh, It kind of... It keeps the emphasis on, like, long strings of combos and aerial combos and, like, knocking people up into the air and keeping them there. And I think the the weird thing about Blaze Blue and the cool thing about Blaze Blue is that, like, have we ever talked about visual novels on the store? Or on the on the show before Chris, we have not as of yet. Um. Okay. So I'll make this quick. Visual novels are a very popular form of video game in Japan, where basically 
they are these text-based stories that will have, you know, they'll have, like, little graphical references for, like, characters on screen and, like, the environment you're in. But, like, really, a lot of the story is uh, conveyed to you through text. And they can vary in a lot of different ways. But uh, to make things short, Blaze Blue is a fighting game, but it also has a story mode. An incredibly complex, detailed, nonsensical story mode that is a visual novel with fights interspersed throughout. The visual novel aspect of it is important because I want to really just kind of... I, I want to make it clear, like, how much thought... It, it's it's weird to say much thought because also, it like, a lot of times it feels like they're making shit up as they go along. <laughs> but, you know, I guess, like, there is this... They are They are taking this fighting game and they are presenting it as, like a huge world with multiple complexities and stuff like that. So every character has a their own distinct fighting style that has that uses their own specific like magical item that they base their fighting style around. Um yeah, if to you've the ever, degree, like, I wanna I wanna just throw this out there. Blaze mm-hmm. Blue is wild because there's like no overlap between characters in terms of how you control them. Right. Like most um, most fighting games. Just and I'll I'll tie back into where you're going with this, Dylan, I promise. But let me I'm No, I, this, I I see where you're going. This brief loop out. Most fighting games I was actually gonna go there anyway. Yeah, so there's a there's good. a general idea of like this button is kicks, this button is punches, or maybe like this is you know, light, medium, heavy kicks and light, medium, heavy punches, and like the general way of doing combos and doing special moves will be like fairly consistent. There will be specific sequences for different characters, but there is a like, this is how Street Fighter 2 plays, or this is how uh, Soul Calibur plays, or this is how whatever. Yeah. Every character has their own, for lack of a better term, control gimmick in Blaze Blue. And every character, like, there are, there will be characters that have the very typical, like, you know, quarter circle forward on the, on the joystick and a punch will do a combo. And then there are other characters where it's like, no, hit these three buttons at the time, at the same time and shake the controller to do your combo. (laughs) (laughs) And like, obviously I'm exaggerating slightly, but like only slightly. Yeah. So, you know, in most fighting games, if you look at the heads up display, you will have a standard, like, you know, you've got your health bar, you have maybe a stagger meter, and then you have, like, your super meter. And those are consistent for every character in the game. They all just, like, you know, one might use the bar slightly differently, but, like, that bar is still for that character. In Blaze Blue, however, one character all might bets have... All fucking off. Yeah, all bets are off. Like, every character has, like, you know, uh, the character I main in Blaze Blue, Hazama, he has a grappling hook. And that has its own meter in the UI or in the in the heads up display. You know, another character, a Hakuman, he does like counters and parries. And so when he blocks, that builds up his own meter. On, on, on top of that, when you are playing Blaze Blue, you have your standard like three, you have three different attack buttons with, uh, with like varying strengths. But like then you also have your drive button. And what is your drive button, I hear you ask? Well, in the story of Blaze Blue, which is why I mentioned the fact that it's a visual novel at all, every character has like their own magical artifact called a Nox Notorious, <laughs> which is where they get their fighting style from. And so the drive button uses their Nox Notorious, and they use their Nox Notorious to, you know, whatever that is. So for ha- uh, Hazuma, that's like his grappling hook, like I was saying. For 
Bang Shishigami, a ninja that is a, a giant bunch of fuck shurikens. off nail. A giant and a giant fuck off nail that he just has yeah. on his back. What I um, love about this is this goes back to again, we're talking about like how all of this stuff comes together. Dylan earlier referred to Blaze Blue as an anime fighter. Yes. It really is like if you've ever watched a shonen anime like Hunter Hunter or Naruto or what's the My Hero Academia I hear is very much like this, so I haven't ever watched yeah, any it, of that it show. Is, from what I understand. The, like or like the... Jojo or like Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. All yeah. of these shows, the conceit is, you know, you get this ensemble of characters each with their own very unique thing or power set or thing that they're good at. And that is what Blaze Blue does, and it does it so well. And like like it or hate it, I know the Blaze Blue series is like kind of controversial among fighting game people. I don't think it's controversial so much as like people just like to pick on it. Yeah. Because it's <laughs> doing all this weird stuff. Like it's yeah. it's a wild black sheep of a game. But it's doing all that because it's trying to go for the same feeling as you get watching, you know, Hunter Hunter and seeing the one guy with 80 hands go up against the guy who fights by summoning cloud demons out of his giant pipe. Like, there's a, yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, Hunter Hunter, or not Hunter Hunter, sorry, Blaze Blue has a character who, when you press the drive button, like, act it activates her semi-conscious bow staff. It's so good. It's, it's like... <laughs> It's crazy. Again, say what you will about the gameplay, and, like, I I adore Blaze Blue. I am also terrible at it. Like, it is not a fighting game that has ever clicked for me. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I think that's because there's just so, like, there are so many different characters, and they are so specific yeah. that there's no... It's not a you, party you fighter where you can just pick it up and try something new. Yeah. You won't find a variation of a character you like. It's either you learn how to get good with that character... And you eventually make it make sense, or you you're just kind of wallowing in this is okay, I guess. Yeah. Land. Uh, but I adore it from just like the degree to which they commit to that over the top anime goofiness and melodrama. Yeah. And how much that is reflected, and again, their choice to make all of these characters absolutely batshit insane. <laughs> Oh, and so before we move on from that, yeah. the last thing I wanted to talk about was like, you know, Samurai Showdown, I talked about how the music is very sparse and tense. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know where I'm going. Uh, you know, Street Fighter, you have like, you know, these these kind of peppy, upbeat, like heroic tunes. Later games would kind of mix it up a little bit. But like for the most part, Street Fighter is known for its very heroic tunes. Blaze Blue um, is nonsense. Blaze Blue is amazing. Its OST so, is so good. So, uh, the OST for Blaze Blue is done by a Daisuke Ishiwatori, who is the uh, composer, character designer, and lead game designer of the Guilty Gear series. Which, for people who are wondering what Guilty Gear is, think Blaze Blue except less crazy and more 90s uh, in terms of aesthetic. And where do I even start with Blaze Blue's soundtrack? It's like it's it's it really can, good for starters. It can bounce it's... from like orchestra to electro pop to butt rock and back in the course of one song. Like there is a character who is you know she's a vampire and it like her character theme has like this very baroque sound to it, but like then it'll turn into hard rock at like the drop of a hat. There are. Not only themes for characters, uh, there are themes for uh, one character, Bang Shishigami, we were talking about him earlier. He's like, <laughs> he has <laughs> he has a super mode where, you know, uh, the, the whatever song is playing completely changes, and you 
you get like this awesome hard rock song sung by the guy who did the opening to Dragon Ball Z. There's just like, you don't know what you're going to get with these characters. There are, there's specific themes for two characters who are fighting. Uh, there are two characters named Jin and Tsubaki. When they fight, they are star-crossed lovers. And there's this, in, uh, there's this Japanese woman singing these English lyrics about like how tragic this fight is. <laughs> It's amazing. And it again, is... completely leans into the genre of anime that it's trying to emulate. It's trying to make every fight feel like the full gravitas. Like, this is, you know, if the character isn't, like, a super serious character, maybe it'll be, like, a silly little, like, haha, we're play fighting type of thing. But, like, for the most part, like, every fight feels like this the end of an arc in an anime TV uh, TV series. It's so good. I absolutely adore <laughs> what they hit in that, so, in that game. And so, as you can tell, I'm very enthusiastic about Blaze Blue. It was my first fighting game. Basically, what we've been trying to get at with uh, this topic today is just kind of like, A, fighting games are cool. B, if you don't like one fighting game, you can get a variety of of different experiences. Uh, no two fighting games are alike. Even if they are similar mechanically, one might appeal to you more in terms of like aesthetic or how it kind of sells what the action that yeah. it is trying to convey. And this is also, this is what we've been talking about here, this sort of like synthesis of all of these things down into like a very concise, like for lack of a better term, thesis statement on what the game is trying to be. Every game does this, or at least most do. Fighting games are just a very handy one to look at because, like, there's only so many things that it can do differently. Like, the formula of how a fighting game works at this point is more or less established. So by looking at how individual games engage with that formula, like all of the ones we talked about today, it provides a really cool look into, like, exactly how, like, exactly what the the goal of those choices were without having to break down a lot of like disparate systems that might be come into play in a more complex type of game. Yeah. Just as, as an example of another game that does this very well. So since we talked about it a lot last week, I've actually got and played some of Sekiro shadows die twice and Holy oh, nice. cow, this game nails the samurai aesthetic. Like <laughs> the cutscenes are on point. The music is like almost entirely from what i can hear traditional japanese instruments like all of the cre like all of the enemies including the more like nightmarish enemies that start to pop up yeah look like they come straight <laughs> came straight out of like an oil painting on the wall of a pagoda from sengoku era japan like i cannot wait to play this yeah, game like hats off to from software i'm not that far in and we're not talking about mm. difficulty right here i'm just saying like aesthetically they absolutely nailed it. And, like, getting good feels like you're becoming a badass samurai. And I absolutely... Like, all this is to say, this kind of stuff we're talking about in fighting games shows up in a lot of games out there. And if you, like, start thinking about why the systems are put together the way they are, you can you come... You get you can, an idea for, like, the type of story or experience yeah, you'll, is intended for you. You'll find some interesting overlap at the very least. Um, yeah, I think that probably that'll probably do it for us for this week, Dylan. I think that's a good note to end on. Yeah, that was a, f a fun little like us ranting about cool things, but I liked it. Um, yeah, 
I cannot, or rather, I am sorry for all the editing you're going to have to do. That is okay. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, thank you all for joining us on this week's episode of Backstage Gaming. We hope you had fun. We certainly did. Uh, if you had fun, you should check out our website, bsgpod.com. There you'll find all of our episodes. You'll find a bio link. You'll find some like, uh, like a glossary of terms that we've come up with of sort of like our acting stuff over the over the uh the months of doing this and you'll also uh be able to send us did i say a contact form there's a contact form you can you can send us your thoughts you can also find our show on itunes on spotify on stitcher and in the google play store if you like what we're doing please consider dropping a rating and review in itunes that'll really help us to just sort of build up and get more people listening and yeah we hope you enjoyed tell your friends about us using social media social media so you want to learn more about backstage gaming, huh? All right, yeah, social media. Uh, you can check us out on Facebook. You can check us out on Twitter. Our handle is at BSG underscore cast. Uh, we have a YouTube. And if you like what we're talking about or you hate what we're talking about, be sure to talk about us with the hashtag BSG pod. Huge thanks once again to our friend Brendan French for our key art. If you like what he what he's done for us, you should check out his Squarespace at brennanfrench.squarespace.com. That is B-R-E-N-N-E-N hyphen French.squarespace.com. You can also check him out on Instagram at Instagram.com Instagram.com slash brennanfrencharts. Also, huge thank you to our friend BioQuery. He is the musician behind our theme song, Dot Sound Radio Volume 1, Instrumentality. He's super cool. He's got a ton of fun electronica. He's always on that grind doing production for other music outfits in LA. You can find him at his SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash bioquery. That's B-I-O-Q-U-E-R-Y. Or on Spotify by searching bioquery. And you should really go give him a listen because he's always doing cool stuff. And one more time, just for good measure, please consider going and checking out patreon.com slash bsgpod. Uh... Anything you can do to help us out would be really appreciated. We are really enjoying this and wanting to put more and more of our time and effort into this podcast and other podcasting projects that we have in the works. And anything that you can do to support that would be hugely appreciated and help to free us from the uh, eternal struggle for capitalist success. So (laughs) please check it out. See about the reward tiers. See about just, you know, help us out if you can. And we would love you forever for that. But we love you forever anyway. Yeah, I don't have anything to add to that because the soulless capitalist cr- machine is currently crushing my body. <laughs> no, Dylan, Act- deactivate all the capitalism on the detention level. <laughs> Shut off all the capitalism on the detention level. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.